0: Today, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories, and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their Elders, past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the community radio network with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and comes to you on your local community radio station. Well, the federal budget last week was extraordinary in its complete lack of interest in working people and the environment. There were plenty of things we could focus on, but two jumped right out at me as examples of the chasm between the interests of the people of Australia and the Federal Liberal Party as it stands today. The first is the slashing of funds to public education while increasing the funds of private education and the broken promise that the Community Development Programme, or CDP, would be abolished. No, the system which has been called unsafe, unfair and racist is apparently going to be hanging around the necks of Indigenous people until 2024. First up, we hear from the National Secretary of the Australian Education Union, Karina Haythorpe, about the slashing of federal funds to public education. It was quite a shock to discover that they'd... uh cut public school funding once again. The fact that uh, they've cut $559 million from public schools uh, and then given more funds to um, private schools is a, a shot across the bounds, as it were. Couldn't believe it when
1: we saw it. It was just like you've got to be kidding us. It's an outrageous decision to cut 559.8 million from public schools over the next three years, while giving 2.6 billion to private schools. And this is happening at a time uh, when our members uh, have been experiencing the very real and deep impact of the pandemic, and actually needed to see an investment uh, in terms of the resources delivered to their schools from the Morrison government. These cuts will have a very real impact on schools. We're already experiencing significant workforce shortages in terms of teachers and support staff. We know that our children uh, need additional resources to help them, particularly after the pandemic, uh, with respect to their learning, you know, more IT support. We need better infrastructure in our schools as well to deal with booming enrolments and to wake up uh, on Wednesday morning and find out that there was this sneaky little cut in the budget is devastating for our members. So sneaky. They, they covered it up. We discovered the budget cut uh, when we compared the budget from last year to this year. There was no announcement about this cut. There has been no rationale provided by Acting Minister Stuart Robbins or the PM.
0: Uh, so, yes, we think it's very sneaky. And it includes no budget for capital works, which is quite bizarre. In 2017,
1: the uh, coalition government uh, cancelled the capital works funding uh, with respect to public schools and we have been calling for this funding to be restored. We've got booming enrolments in public schools, that we've got uh, significant infrastructure needs, not only new classrooms but also having high quality state-of-the-art learning facilities for our students uh, and yet the Morrison government simply does not believe that this is
0: their responsibility. If you go back into the mists of time when uh, Howard uh, started beating the drum around, it's uh, people's choice to send their children to private schools. The um, fact that there's a booming uh, enrolment into public schools tells us something about how shaky people's lives are in terms of precarious work their low wages etc etc people depend on the public school system we've rejected the uh, mantra the liberal party mantra
1: around uh, people's choice in private school education we believe it's actually the right of every child to have a high quality public school within their local community that's fundamentally important Uh, and we know that it's uh, for families Um, The public school is the hub of many, many communities and as such should be
0: resourced properly by governments. One of the most extraordinary things that happened in Australian history was the development of the public school system. It was absolutely pivotal in creating the notion that people could achieve, fulfil their potential despite their backgrounds. Public schools
1: are very inclusive. They provide an education for all children regardless of their background or circumstances and that's the right of every child in every school community. But they must be backed by governments with resources and so to have a budget that sneakily cuts $559 million uh, does not invest in public schools, does not provide additional capital works. it's simply unacceptable and very divisive in terms of this whole public school versus private school debate that the Morrison government seems to want to uh, put on the table. That's not where we want to be. We want our schools to be fully funded by governments.
0: When I heard that uh, there was such a massive cut, I really thought that it was like taking the food from the mouths of Australian children.
1: I think that's a really good uh, analogy. Uh, We know that this sort of cut will actually remove around 5,000 teachers in public schools if it's to go ahead as part of this budget. And that's outrageous. We know that we've got booming student enrolments. Um, we also know that our workforce is uh, has really suffered with respect to the pandemic, and they need more support, not less, and they need more teachers, not less.
0: Now, you've made specific demands uh, removing 20% cap on federal funding. Is this a a sort of a sneaky way for the federal government to offload the heavy lifting to state governments? We've seen uh,
1: Treasurer Josh Frydenberg boast about record funding and well may he boast when he's delivering $2.6 billion to private schools. They've really sidestepped their responsibility to the public system. They believe uh, that it's a state responsibility and yet we know it's a joint responsibility and the Commonwealth government Uh, has the greatest capacity in terms of uh, delivering revenue because of the way that our tax system works. And I believe that uh, parents and the public um, would like their taxes to actually go to the provision of education for the 2.6 million students who are in public schools. Now, the next thing is the school resource standards. Could you explain that to me? The schooling resource standard is the minimum benchmark of funding that's required to educate a child. It's a standard... That was developed uh, under the Gonski Review. It's a standard that's also been legislated. However, the Commonwealth does not put in their share, uh, their full share, and they've also enabled a a series of agreements um, with states and territory governments which deny public schools uh, the minimum 100% of achieving that standard, and that has a direct impact on
0: our children. Wow, that's amazing. And then, of course, you want capital works funds to be put back in. I mean, you know, kids can't be working in falling down uh, schoolrooms.
1: Well, not only are there serious occult and safety issues uh, in terms of the infrastructure uh, within many of our schools, but we also need new classrooms to cater for the booming enrolments that we know are coming in the next few years.
0: So the AEU, uh, you're the national president of the AEU. What's the reaction and what what do you think that your members will be working towards?
1: This is a widely uh, and deeply felt issue. I've seen over the last few days that our social media feeds have gone absolutely crazy. Our members believe it's deeply unfair and actually it's immoral uh, to use taxpayer funds in this way. We're calling on the Morrison government to reverse this cut and indeed all political parties uh, should uh, uh, make
0: sure that that happens for our students. My reflection is that it's like uh, uh, instilling inequality into the DNA of Australia by do this kind of uh, approach to governance.
1: We currently have a deeply uh, unequal system in terms of uh, the way that funding is delivered to private and public schools and that's unacceptable. Every child deserves the right to a high quality education and we believe that it's public schools that deliver that education and they should be funded properly. So um, yes, we will uh, we'll be campaigning pretty vigorously to get that sorted out but let's see how, how we go and hopefully a federal election might help as well.
0: You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Over a number of years, the First Nations Workers' Alliance, FNWA, has been working, organising and educating CDP workers about their rights. The Community Development Programme, CDP, which almost exclusively affects Indigenous workers, subjects workers to poor and dangerous working conditions with no pay, no leave and no oh standards. If workers do not meet their obligations, their welfare payments can be cut for up to eight weeks or discontinued. The efforts of the FNWA were so effective that recently the Morrison government had firmly announced that they were going to scrap the CDP Then came the announcement on Budget Night. The Racially Discriminatory Community Development Programme has been renewed until July 2024. I spoke to Lara Watson, ACTU National Indigenous Officer, for some background on the scheme and what this new announcement now means for people on remote communities. Thanks for talking to me. It's Annie McLaughlin from Sick Together.
2: Hello, how are you?
0: Good. Thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me. That's all right. It was very disappointing to hear that they're going to extend the community development program to 2024.
2: It was, definitely. I um, It's all, I, I think, the whole process that they went through kind of was a bit botched in the co-design of what, a, you know, a replacement program will look like. But, you know... They've certainly lost an opportunity to have like meaningful conversations with remote community workers um, and even the rest of the community. I don't think they've done that level of engagement.
0: Well, I, I find it really a, a, a misnomer calling it community development program because it's, <laughs> it's replaced the program that actually worked for uh Uh, remote communities, Uh, and now it's uh, really a burden on people's back.
2: Well, I said it went from a program that was delivering training and skills, uh, though there were issues with the previous program that we had concerns with, again, around superannuation and workplace entitlement. Um, but we never, ever expected something like CDP to be implemented that is just blatantly racist and, you know, punitive. So to hear, while it's a volu- it's voluntary at the moment and will be voluntary right up until it dissolves, a lot of people in communities really don't know what that means for them. Like, they still got that fear that if they don't turn up, they're going to lose their payments. Um so while that punitive and voluntary um, process has changed, people are still scared, like they're still going on the old CDP. So to hear it extended and to have that kind of fear being implemented through remote communities is a bit devastating, particularly around the work that's being done.
0: For people that uh, don't realise, this is a system that mainly affects Indigenous workers, and it, you call it dangerous working conditions, no pay, no leave, and no oh standards.
2: Absolutely. That's it in a nutshell. There was two employment programs that were being implemented, the Community Development Program and Job Active. So CDP was only implemented through remote Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Whereas everywhere else in the country, it was job active. Um, And when you've done a comparison with the two, you could see that CDP was clearly racist and also extremely punitive. And that's when people kind of, you know, they missed an activity. They possibly could lose their money for eight weeks. So there's still that fear in the community that that's going to happen. But just, you know, any more money being pumped into this program, which has been proven time and time again with governments that it's harmful to communities and it's not working is a kick in the stomach. Like,
0: Well, you know, there, there's plenty of jobs that need to be done in community, right?
2: Oh, yes. So um, there's not as many jobs as what we would like in community, but there's still jobs. And what we're seeing is CDP workers are being put into those employment opportunities but not getting paid a wage for doing that job. Like they're still under the Social Security Act and still under CDP. So communities are hit twofold. So one, someone's not getting paid appropriately for the job but also that job's been taken away from someone, you know, who who could do a full-time or part-time employment. Any process from here on out, if it doesn't involve each community individually, it's not going to be meaningful because each community is different and you can't have an employment program if you're not going to invest in jobs. Like there needs to be investment into jobs on country um, and sustainable employment opportunities. And if you go around communities, you can see that there are ample opportunities. It's just, you know, you need to cut back fly in, fly out workers and you need to look at development leading to meaningful employment when it comes to an employment program. When you look at the 70s and community were doing apprenticeships and that was fantastic. You know, you had builders, you had plumbers, you had electricians. Now, none of that type of training has been done, what, for 50 years? Um, And people who need those kinds of services in communities are waiting over 12 months before they can get anything fixed. So if there was a bit more investment into those types of training and employment opportunities than investment into jobs on country and sustainable employment. You would actually have thriving communities that would build a economic base that will be able to determine, self-determine, you know, get in Jobs that perhaps fly-in, fly-out workers are filling, and have them filled locally. Just government need to spend a bit of time with communities on how that will work and how will that be rolled out, um, and they're just not doing that.
0: Well, they put in 111 million dollars, but yeah. that's really for administrative services.
2: So yes, so that was to uh, clean up the caseload that they have in remote communities. Um, but also uh, to put into another design process on what will replace CDP. So, you know, what we've heard, we know that there was some consultation with the Coalition of Peaks, which is good because they're Aboriginal community organisations, but there was, I guess, some complaint in that government wasn't serious around the table and that they felt that their contributions weren't being listened to. And that was obviously the case, because now we've got the extension of CDP to give government a bit more time into creating a program that will replace
0: CDP. And if people were um, wondering if it was a racist arrangement, it's very interesting and quite shocking to realise that um, almost half of all penalties in the welfare system Uh, come from the CDP system, despite accounting for a tiny percentage of the overall welfare recipients.
2: Yeah, and that's right from the start. First Nation Workers Alliance saying that it was clearly a racist program. Not only was it implemented in these remote communities, but also the penalties were a lot more harsher than job active. So it was, it was targeting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers and it was penalising them, you know, for turning up and doing a job like, you know, it doesn't matter where you live in the country. If you're doing work that is wage work anywhere else, then you should be paid a wage and you should be under the same workplace conditions as the rest of the people that are doing that work. Um, But unfortunately, we just don't see that in remote communities. Now, the Morrison government um, turned CDP into a free source of labour for private enterprise. Like, we had never, ever seen anything like that previously. Like, we knew that a lot of government organisations would get in CDEP workers, but people were getting paid a wage, equivalent to an award wage, when doing that work. So they see not only kind of the top-up payments stop... But also having private enterprise accessing this free source of labor, um, but also there was initiatives for them. So if they had a CDP worker for 26 weeks, you know they'd pocket some cash to help um, in that respect, which was a bit unfortunate because that money could have gone into investing in sustainable jobs like real jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is actually yeah. entrenching poverty and it's also blaming the victim for a system that you've created.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like even now, CDP is voluntary, um, but there's still these kind of obligations that you've got to uphold you know, looking for work, having a job plan, all that sort of stuff. And that's great. That works in, you know, urban centres and perhaps regional centres too. But when you're looking at um, communities where the population far outweighs the number of job prospects, what are they meant to do? Like, are they just meant to keep writing down the same places even though they know they're not going to get employment there? Like, they're really torturous kind of conditions that aren't fit to the environment that people that are on the program are in. And it's a bit head-scratching in don't actually get the purpose of what this is supposed to do because it's certainly not leading to employment opportunities. It's certainly not leading to investment in job opportunities.
0: You could say that it's, like you do say, that it's punishing people for living on country remotely and for being First Nation.
2: Absolutely. That's... That's the only way you can look at it. You know, punishment for where you live um, and an expectation that you will leave country to get work. And we did actually see that when CDP was first implemented, there were small migrations into regional hubs because it was just too difficult to go through the processes that CDP expected you to go through in remote communities. So we found a lot of people did move off-country and into regional hubs so that they could be on-job active. Um, But everyone should have the right and the dignity of work wherever you live. Um, So penalising communities because there's lack of job opportunities is ridiculous. Like, it's inhumane the way that government treat these employment programs in communities. And one thing we do know is if we don't stand up and fight against it now, it gets rolled out more broadly. And we saw that with the INDU cards, you know, that come out of the Northern Territory intervention and the basic card. Um, so we know that if people won't stand up and fight these atrocities now, um, they'll find that they're knocking on their doorstep tomorrow.
0: So that's what the First Nations Workers' Alliance is about, isn't it?
2: It is. So we were originally formed to give CDP workers a voice, um, particularly in the federal space um, and around the program and have an input on what a replacement program could look like. Uh, We've gone a bit more broader now in representing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers and addressing some of the issues like racism in the workplace. Um, but we, you know, this this election, um, we're going we're going to go hard because enough's enough. Like we've had enough. Like this, this sh- these programs should not be rolled out in this day and age. So we're having those conversations in remote communities. We're getting people enrolled and putting them on, um, getting them ready to vote and the importance, understanding the importance of voting. And we'll do a bit of training around how government operates and why you vote so that people are aware of what they're doing and how they can then vote against or vote wanting something to happen, like vote around action.
0: The call for consultation on community and turning around this narrative that First Nations people can't self-determine, it's very important for this federal government to try and paint this picture that First Nations people don't know what they want and, you know, know, are, are hopeless and helpless.
2: Yeah, and that's not the case. That's how governments see it. But that's because they're not actually on the ground talking to people. So it's usually they send out their middle management to go in, have a look around and then report back. You actually need to get down on the ground, sit around the table, have a feed, talk to a mob about what's happening in communities and what they need. Um, And I know Labor is looking at um, perhaps setting up uh, the structures like the old ATSIC that allows input on a daily basis into policy so something like that would be ideal um, that way you can get a fit for purpose program that is matched to that community needs because each community is different you know one community's got a priority of education and another community's got a priority around housing you know another community's got um, priorities around health so you really need to take the time to have those. I don't want to say consult. I feel like like our mob have gone through so much consultation, it is not funny, with little outcome. So it's like, you know, sometimes we get invited around the table, but that doesn't mean we're going to get listened to. So I think more having conversations, like bringing community and people into the conversations around, you know, what is needed in place and what's going to affect them in their daily lives um it's really it's not rocket science it's a conversation uh which i think is not too much to ask
0: when they said that they were going to uh get rid of edp i thought oh god they're actually doing something good
2: yeah that was a great win like the way that community campaign, like CDP workers, remote communities, like I'm talking from Mullen in WA and, you know, Far North Queensland, like they really, you know, put muscle on the ground to campaign against CDP and they got a win. Yeah. So it was great. It was exciting. Like finally, this is what action does. Like, and then just to have it extended again, it was like deflation. So are you kidding me again? <laughs> So, uh, we will have quite a few upset people in communities, um, but we do plan to have a, a bit of a try and get out to some in far north Queensland and Northern Territory just to have a bit of a conversation around voting um, and what that means for communities. So,
0: if you don't fight, you lose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's it from Stick Together this week. You can catch up with the show at 3cr.org.au or where you get your favourite podcasts. You can contact us on sticktogether at 3cr.org.au. I'm Annie McLaughlin. Join the Stick Together team next week for more workers' news and remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there is a union for you. Stay safe, stick together, and we'll go out with Paul Kelly and special treatment.
3: Grandfather walked this land in chains A land he called his own He was given another name And taken into town He got special treatment Special treatment Very special treatment My father worked A twelve hour day As a stockman On the station The very same work But not the same pay As his white Companions He got Special treatment Special treatment Very special treatment Mother and father Loved each other well But together They could not stay They were split up Against their will until their dying day die. They got special treatment Special treatment Very special treatment Mama gave birth to a stranger's child A child she called her own Strangers came and took away that child To a stranger's home She got special treatment Special treatment Very special I never spoke my mother's tongue I never knew my name I never learned the song she sung I was raised in shame I got special treatment Special treatment, very special treatment. Here yeah, we got special treatment, special treatment, very special treatment.